0: Well, today we're joined by Mary Liz Bender, one of the competitors for Inspiration for Prosperity Seat and the co founder of Cosmic Perspective, to talk about her story, her passion, and the dream of being selected for Inspiration for. Mary Liz, welcome to the Launchpad.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here.
0: To start, why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory and what's led you to being at this point where you're chasing rockets and kind of at the foot of the future of the space race?
1: Wow. Um, how long do we have? (laughs) I, I, you know, first, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, I know that you wish that you could be a part of this contest and I wish that you could be a part of this contest. Um, so sad that this isn't yet accessible to everybody, but I know that this is opening that door and I just want to take a moment to, um, you know, whatever happens in the next few days, this is such an exciting new era and the fact that we're all able to be here and to somehow be a part of the conversation no matter what is really exciting and um, quite a responsibility. So I'm really excited that you just kind of stepped up and started doing these interviews and got involved and anyway, uh, so thank you and thank you for the question. Um You know, I have a really, really long, winding story that got me to where I am today. Um, I grew up in Missouri on a farm kind of in the middle of nowhere, and I loved it. I had a 40-acre forest in my background, Um, rode horses, just loved being amongst the trees and the nature. And I actually got to see every single night a really clear view of the Milky Way. So I always had a wonder about the stars. I um, was always questioning um, the beauty all around me and just always had a curious nature, I think, thanks to the fact that I grew up in such an environment. But, um, But at a young age, I experienced a lot of unfortunate traumatic experiences. And so that changed really quickly. By age nine, things really began to shift and became very, very difficult. And so, um, you know, throughout my tweens and then my teens, it got really hairy. I, I was no longer living at the farm. Um, I had gone to a school that was not accredited, meaning that um, the state of Missouri did not uh, acknowledge the fact that they uh, were handing out diplomas. And so I ended up actually dropping out of high school at 16 when I realized that the diplomas just didn't mean much. And, um, and long, long story about that, but I was just a lost kid. I was, I was having a really hard time. I struggled a lot with depression, um, eating disorders, all sorts of things. And so I dropped out. And um, it was then that I, I, I ended up in a very, very, very challenging journey where I was battling homelessness. And and by that, I mean, you know, sleeping in my car until I didn't have a car and then kind of sleeping in a bunch of people's basements and sneaking around their parents and just trying to, you know, find a place to stay that was safe in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, so that was, that was a real challenge. And during those times, the things that really got me through were my music, always, always, loved sitting at the piano or playing the guitar, Um, and that helped me really get in touch with, you know, what I was really feeling and thinking and carried me through some tough times. And then I actually, since the age of nine, uh, I had seen Sandra Bullock in the net, and I think a little bit later it was Angelina Jolie in Hackers, maybe a couple of years later. I was obsessed with these awesome women who were coders and I wanted to be a coder. So even at nine, I mean, at such a lucky time in life when the personal computer was becoming commonplace in the household, it was pretty new at that time. And I was teaching myself QBasic. I'm probably giving away a lot here. Um, And then you know, so my love of programming was always there in my mind, but it didn't really take off until I was in this state of homelessness, kind of just um, couch surfing, let's say. And I realized that the public library is this beautiful place where the doors are open to absolutely anyone, where they have computers that anybody can use for free and they were connected to the internet. And so I would go to the library and I would check out books on programming and then I would practice on the computers there. And so really, I mean, I owe so much of my life journey to that one critical moment. I am so grateful for that opportunity. Um, I taught myself programming so well that I was able to go at age, hmm, I think it was 19. Um, so it took, took a few years. But at age 19, I begged my way into my first job as a web developer. And they brought me on. And I, from there, it was like an exponential curve, right? Life was really, 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 really hard from like 9 to 19. And then suddenly, wow! So um, in my early 20s, You know i i was working with that web company i was freelancing on the side to make more money i was so determined and i eventually uh in my i think it was my mid-20s was invited by a software company to come live in spain and so this is where my first um real love of the nomadic travel lifestyle uh came into my life and my whole world view just totally expanded so I went to Spain and worked there for three and a half years as a programmer for a software company and just loved it. I am I'm absolutely in love with Spain and loved immersing myself in the culture, learning the language, learning about a very different way of life. Um, and so that that really, really shifted things for me. So you'll see, like, as I tell my story, there are these moments of major shifts that I, I always like to kind of pause on and think about because those moments come up for people. And if you seize them, then that's it. That's your, that's your ticket to, to doing something, chasing your dream, um, leveling up in whatever way you want to level up. And so for me, going to Spain was huge. It um, really expanded my whole world. Then, um, three and a half years later, I returned to the U.S. and actually lived in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where my mom had been living. And it was there that even though I was leading this successful programming career, I ended up meeting my musical soulmate, and uh, Lacey is my bandmate, uh, the lead singer of my band Twin Limb. we started writing music and I'm not kidding. It was within months that we were invited to play these huge shows and then go on big tours. I mean, with my musical heroes. So, um, as an example, gosh, there, there there's so many beautiful people to name, but, um, one of the, the latest tours was with our friend Jim James of my morning jacket and, that was that was like a new kind of um experience because we went from like really hustling for four years straight you know sleeping on floors doing whatever we had to do as a band trying to make it in the music industry to uh being able to be on a bus a tour bus and we had the lighting guy who was amazing and you know got to got to really play with the whole production and so It was actually there during that tour on that stage where I recognized the power of of experience, the power of art, the power of music, the power of people being together and singing together. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it that I've experienced. And um, I'm I'm so grateful that I was given those opportunities and able to tour the U.S. for four and a half years straight uh, and do that. And, you know, when you're on tour and, and you're driving around from state to state, city to city, you have a lot of of time in between. And and by the way, I was still full-time programming this whole time. And I was the band manager. <laughs> so it was a really, really full packed schedule. And uh, on that particular tour, we'd be on stage for three and a half hours or so because we were the opening band. And then we were also Jim's backing band. And I mean, it was so much fun and a lot of hard work. And um, on the kind of like downtime moments, let's call them when we were driving, I'd be listening to podcasts because you kind of get sick of listening to music over and over. And that's where I discovered my love of space. I really, in my upbringing, in that school that I mentioned to you, we never had a science class. And so I never discovered an outlet for my curiosity until I was in my early thirties. And so um, this was a really special moment for me. Uh, that's where I picked up the book, The Overview Effect, after learning about it on a space podcast, Planetary Radio. Uh, ironically, just a quick side note, I ended up working on Planetary Radio just a couple years later. Um, but at that time, I discovered this really powerful thing. You know, I, I was I was on tour seeing people every single night come to the stage, come to the venue for an experience. And I was amazed by the awe of that experience, how powerful it was. And so I was really intrigued by the power of experience. And the overview effect is one of those things. It's a transformation that people, that astronauts have often when they go to space and they see Earth from space, or they look out and they see Earth among the vastness of the stars. And they come back, all of them changed in different ways, but they all come back with a profound sense that something in their perspective has shifted and they they feel a real responsibility to share that. So that really intrigued me. And it was one night while I was on stage, I was looking out at the crowd and I was thinking, I want to gift that to them. Like, I, they're all, everybody's here for this experience. And I feel like I have even more to give. And I didn't really know what that was or what that meant, but I knew that I had to chase this overview effect thing and understand it a little better. And so I, um, I actually decided I'm going to, you know, obviously keep the music career cause this is, this is my great love and music is my first language, but I need to stop programming code for other people on applications that aren't really something I'm passionate about. So I went to my boss. I gave seven weeks notice and I decided that was enough time for me to find a job in the space industry. And I did. Uh, ironically, I, was never, I never watched Bill Nye the Science Guy as a kid. I didn't even know uh, about, about that show. Never had a science class. But lo and behold, I got a job with Bill <laughs> at the Planetary Society and ended up working on my favorite uh, podcast podcast. Uh, with Matt Kaplan on Planetary Radio. And so that experience for two and a half years gave me the opportunity to interview astronauts, scientists, all sorts of people. And that passion of getting to know the people behind this grand adventure, the people behind space exploration who have incredible, inspiring stories that, that was it for me. I, I knew that I wanted to tell their story and share their experience through my art, through my storytelling, all of the ways that, that I knew um, I could communicate it well and in a different way. So I'm sorry that that was such a long-winded answer. I feel terrible. But that then brought me to co-founding three years ago my organization, Cosmic Perspective, Um, it was right after my very first rocket launch, which was the most epic, the one and only the Falcon heavy demo flight that sent Elon Musk's Tesla Roadster up into orbit. And I love seeing your reaction. I can't wait to let you speak, but this is crazy. I, I had this moment. Where I I knew that it was going to be powerful and I thought it was actually going to like blow me back. So I was hanging on to the railing really tight. And it just so happened that I don't know how I ended up there, but I was working with the planetary society and we had a satellite that was going to launch on, you know, a subsequent Falcon Heavy launch. So we had been invited to this VIP area. Well... (laughs) right as the rocket is launching i am squeezing tight to the the railing because i'm thinking i'm going to blow backward which is not a thing and then i look left and i see bill nye the science guy who is just full of wonder and he's like a little kid just like oh i want to cry he was just you know, doing play-by-play play the whole time. Like, look at the, look at what's going on with the physics and the clouds and watch for the waves. You'll see the sound travel on the waves. And I was just in awe of his, his excitement and his awe. And then I looked to my right and I'm shoulder to shoulder. I kid you not between Bill Nye and Buzz Aldrin, man who walked on the moon, science hero. And I thought to myself, how did I get here? I I was homeless. I I struggled with so much. I've made so many bad mistakes. I went the wrong direction. And to somehow know that I could end up in such a place was a profound moment to me that I really wanted to share with the world. And furthermore, you know, I had been reading about the overview effect. But this was a moment where I had something similar. I had an experience where it felt like time had stopped. I was in awe of the beauty of this rocket and then the two boosters landing like ballerinas. And I was weeping and I was just thinking not only about what I'm capable of in my life, but what humans are capable of. Like when we come together around a single idea, which requires all of us to set aside all of our differences and bring our unique perspectives and our unique ideas to the table, because they're all required. When we decide to do that, we can do anything, anything. And I that for me was something akin to an overview effect moment. Probably not as powerful, but um, very, very powerful to me. And so I suddenly realized that maybe maybe we don't have to go to space to have that kind of perspective shift and overview thinking um, that changes our life. And so then I started to really think about how can I share what I just experienced with the world and how can I make it more relatable, um, you know, be it through art or my podcasting or, you know, the other ways that I tell the story. And so Cosmic Perspective was born just a couple months later when I met my partner, who um, is an incredible rocket launch photographer, Ryan Chalinski. And he too had found his deep love of the perspective that space gives us. He was doing Milky Way photography, teaching people that he was traveling around, taking this on tour uh, and then traveling from launch pad to launch pad. And so was I, we both met while traveling in campers. And so it was love at first sight. Um, So we fell madly in love, bought cosmicperspective.com, started the LLC, rushed it into a business um, you know, made a life for ourselves by doing touring shows. Um, uh, we, you know, we've created many films. We're also working on a huge documentary and a VR film. We made VR rocket launch experiences with haptic suits that rumble you when the rocket takes off. Um, it's really we're very just passionate about using technology and art to transfer awe-inspiring experiences to other people no matter where they are. Um so I am so sorry for the very long-winded answer there, but thank you for letting me share it.
0: Don't be at all. You answered all my questions. That's all we got for today. No, I'm kidding. Um first of all, at the beginning, thank you for saying that. Like to me I've I've followed cosmic perspectives probably since quite early. I don't cool. know how I found it, but it's been uh, neat seeing the journey. And I feel like, you know, you hit on there's those moments that happen that it's like if you take that jump and that that risk, um, mm-hmm. you don't know what's gonna happen. I feel like that's what many of the inspiration for contestants are are feeling. That's what I definitely felt launching this. It was like I'm not normally in front of the camera. I do I have a, a not-for-profit I run that we do Christian events, so concerts wow. and stuff. So I I I feel your side of the the music industry and understand <laughs> it a little bit. Uh, And it is that thing of, you know, when you're standing on the stage or even you're the side stage because you're not the artist and you're seeing those hundreds or thousands of people. It is such a perspective change of, wow, this is this is different. This is something I wish they could feel um, for it. And I, I think you nailed it with the space side of it of, you know, that perspective shift that we know all the astronauts have. I feel like there's there's a certain point of it that we can get here on the ground. Uh, If we, you know, really look at it, I know we were talking with, I believe it was Austin uh, last week and he was mentioning overlook effect from the ground um, Ah. and stuff. And it was like, it's so true because, you know, with video now and with photos, I mean, looking at Mars, I mean, we're seeing HD pictures coming from Perseverance. We're seeing thousands of pictures, which is more than what Voyager 1 and 2 did in their entire like 30 years in a day. And it's crazy just the amount of info and i love that you guys are trying to share that in a way that one people can understand it because there's a lot to understand Mm -hmm, in everything happening and it can be overwhelming um but also getting to experience it i have yet to see a rocket launch in person other than my little model rockets um i'm still thinking starship would probably take the cake as like the first rocket to see launch but i might set the like the the standard a little too high might have to start oh. with a Falcon 9 or something.
1: Gosh, you know? I know how you, I, I do know what you mean, because I, I got to say, I can't wait till you come down. You got to let me know. We just moved to Boca Chica, Texas. So I'm just seven miles away from Starship right now. And Ryan's on his way to go get sunset pics before she launches potentially tomorrow. Um, So let me say... Uh, I think that you might be on something because I've documented over 70 rocket launches, well over 70. I stopped counting after 70. So three years ago, I fell in love <laughs> in many ways and then I just chased. And I've, I've seen rocket launches from Vandenberg, from Wallops, from Cape Canaveral, and now in December, came here for my first Starship launch. And it was the historic s 8 launch, the first time we saw that belly flop maneuver. And it, I tell you, it's different. It's so different to be here, to be able to get that close on a public road to, maybe I shouldn't even, like, it's like it's the best of. kept secret. It's, it's never happened. Oh, and, and it's like, a, it's a raw feeling, like the people that are here, the people that are working on it, Um, to be on the beach near them and to sense their excitement, like they, you know, that they built that thing and they are so proud. And that's not something you get at like Kennedy Space Center. It's awesome. Don't get me wrong. It was life changing for me and it's always amazing. Don't ever normalize to that. It's, it's not easy to do. But there is something extra special about the rawness and the authenticity of this experience. You're not escorted there. It's not an Air Force base. You know, you don't have to get rushed off um, immediately. It's just people who are so passionate that they decided to come from all over the world or the U.S., especially right now, to see this. And then, of course, the people that have traveled long and far to work here. And so the excitement is palpable. Um, It's different. It's very, very different. And the other thing is you have to have very, very flexible travel plans because it can take, that's why we moved here. uh, It can take a month of waiting, more than a month of waiting sometimes because it's such an early test prototyping phase. So for me, I am just, so excited that I get to be here and witness this thing being built at the the highway to Mars, as I think Austin Barnard calls it, um, the road to Mars. And as much as I can for folks like you and people that just, that can't make it out here right now, I want to share what this feels like right now because it's going to change and this is a special time. So please do give us advice, you know, like what are we not sharing that you wish you saw or what are the ways that we can better communicate it?
0: Absolutely. There's uh, there's so much to see. And it's, it's it's crazy how quickly it is changing and moving and advancing. And yeah. uh, it, it, it's neat to see it. Kennedy Space Center, been there once, it was the best yeah. like eight hours of my life. And then <laughs> in the VIP tour where they actually take you like as close to the pad as you could get. I think yeah. I was nine. And standing there and it was before the shuttle had ended. So you're driving by the VAB, there's a shuttle in the VAB, like you can kind of peek in and it, it it was something to be there. And it's, it's, I think I more special now knowing the shuttle is no longer in existence, really. It's retired, you know, it's probably never gonna come back in that sense. Starship's gonna kind of blow it out of the water. Um, but having been there and seen those pads, the, you know, the pads that were very much like that for 30 years and now look very different Um, but are what are going to be the paths that take us literally to the moon and Mars and to live there uh, is crazy. In in your journey, you were saying, you know, there's so many of those moments that, you know, weren't the highs of life um, but then also were how has inspiration and how have you just kept hope through those times we're traveling through a difficult time now with the pandemic and, you Mm -hmm. know, people losing friends and family, but also just losing their career or their homes. How would you, what advice would you give them or inspire them with?
1: Oh my gosh. I, I can't know what people are going through right now. I, I, it breaks my heart to think about what's going on in some homes. I feel so lucky right now. Um, I, I do, (laughs) I, in my own life, we all have different experiences, but in my own life, I know what the bottom of a barrel feels like. I know what loss feels like. I know pain, uh, and it is so hard sometimes to climb out of that barrel. And sometimes you have no support, nothing. And I, so my empathy is really strong, um, especially right now. And, and at the beginning of the pandemic, it it was on fire. You know, I um, almost couldn't stop thinking about what I knew people had to be going through. And I'm so lucky that I can... that. I, I've designed this crazy nomadic lifestyle where I can do all my work online. You know, it's challenging. It's, we can't do our touring shows. Um, So we've lost a huge aspect of what we do in our business. And we've had to reinvent over the past few years or the past year, but nothing like what many people are going through. Um, But I will say that hope is the only thing. Hope, if you lose hope, then... I don't know how. I don't know how you get through something like this. But when you maintain hope, which in my mind is a positive vision of the future, something that's worth in your mind working through every challenge to achieve, I think that's the way that I made it through. And there were times when I lost hope for sure. And, you know, it's just really about at that point calling on people for help when you need help. Um, and sometimes you don't have that either. I get it. Um, so really it's to me right now, I think that it's our responsibility as a community, as a society, as civilians, um, to maintain a positive vision of the future that we, we think is worth working toward, because the truth is there are a lot of people at a disadvantage, But as a whole, look what we can do. Look what we can do. I mean, if Elon Musk wants to redesign the car industry, he can. You know what I'm saying? If he assembles a team of people that believe in his vision for the future, he can make that happen. If he decides that he wants reusable rocketry, then he can inspire them with his hopeful vision of the future. Build it, they come, right? And then they come, they assemble, and they are willing to work for that vision. I only use that, those analogies, because I feel like you probably relate (laughs) to that story. Um, It might not be the most relatable to others, but to me, that's something that I look to and I, I see as a clear example of what hope and inspiration can do. And so... I think it is about that. It's about finding what inside you gives you hope, excites you, that you're passionate about, and chase that, whatever it is. It doesn't have to be space. It doesn't have to be leaving the planet. It can be something simple and right here. But if it's something that you love and are passionate about, that will, that will keep you going. and then, of course, like I said, to to ask for help when you need it. I think a lot of people who are in challenging times, our society often makes us think that we have to be really independent. And and that's great. It's a great quality. But also, it takes a lot of strength to ask for help. It's a vulnerable thing. And the truth is that maybe you'll be down tomorrow and I'll be up today and you know that's a roller coaster that go- goes on throughout life and so um i think those those that are having really really big challenges i hope that they um that they reach out to their community and their friends and anybody that can support them and then it's of course the responsibility of those of us who are fortunate right now to to step up and to help our community
0: absolutely i think you know it's it's not something to be ashamed of to ask for help and i think we've seen that through the pandemic of our communities are there you know we and even if it's not your direct community online it's it just incredible seeing what happens with my not-for-profit it's in the faith sector and we had someone comment on one of our posts she's like i haven't been to church in a year and i have no one to talk to mm. within seconds there was eight people oh we have a zoom bible study tonight we have this mm. and it's like people want that community and we're so connected now I mean, we're gonna be even more so when Starlink comes out, but uh, (laughs) there's really no barrier now. If you need help, there's someone that's there to listen to you uh, and it's so important to ask for that. And I think the whole thing of, you know, if you dream it, you know, we can do it. Look at the vaccine. It used to take us eight, 10 years and we're now not even at the one year mark of when everything shut down and there are hundreds of millions of people being vaccinated. Like that's unheard oh, of in history with, and that's with technology advancing, which so much stuff comes out of the space industry and other industries that help other industries you wouldn't think they do. Um, it's really amazing just how interconnected everything is. Should you be selected for Inspiration 4, you're going to be spending a few days in orbit. Jared hasn't shared too much information about what the mission will all look like. There's rumors of a flyby of ISS or a Hubble encounter or something. Um, is there anything you specifically want to try while you're in orbit? I know in your video you talk about the Mimu gloves. Uh, hey, what else you pronounced it right.
1: About? Yeah, you pronounced it right. Um, so I, <laughs> here's the thing. I am so excited. I've known even though as a child, I, I never dreamt I'd ever have the chance to go to space. But for the last few years, I've known I'm going to space at some point. I do. And um, so I've thought about this a lot. And the gloves, the Mimu gloves, I've actually been working, I've been dreaming of them, learned the programming language long ago before they were ever designed. They were manufactured for people and there was a software to go with it. So I've been dreaming of, um, how perfect these instruments are for space travel for almost a decade. And they are so incredible because they they can basically queue up any instrument I want. I just program it in. And so I, I am excited to take an entire orchestra to space with me, queue up every instrument. And then when I'm there having that profound experience, I with headphones in, <laughs> I am really excited to begin to compose the soundtrack to that awe-inspiring experience as I'm, as I'm looking out the window. That is something I've dreamt about for a long time. In addition, though, you know, Cosmic Perspective is obviously all about sharing through story and through film, and it's not just about that moment. You probably noticed since you follow us that It's not just about the moment of launch. It's about all of the setup time. It's about the aftermath. And so I just keep thinking about how exciting this new era is that civilians get to go to space and they'll be able to share every bit of the training. That's exciting to me. That's a challenging exciting time where you're prepping for one of the biggest adventures of your life that is a story I feel is untold So I'm excited to document all of this the way that we do our launches and everything else with beautiful cinematography so I'll be bringing cameras with me um, and then you know we we are we specialize in VR quite a bit and in binaural audio so that's a 360 audio that, can pan around for uh, the VR experience. And I I just keep thinking about the ways that I can take the world on the journey. How can I allow people the opportunity to sit inside that capsule and really feel what it's like? So with that 360 audio, the microphone that I use, it launches here um, with the, the stereoscopic 3D camera. And then, of course, with my music, I hope to make a beautiful film with a beautiful story. Um, And I, I don't think that there's a way for me to anticipate really what I'll want to do. You know, it's like, it's going to surprise me. I actually, by the way, this happened to me just a few weeks ago. I was on an analog astronaut mission. It was a Mars simulation. Um, went to the big island of Hawaii on top of a volcano, Mauna Loa, at the high seas habitat. And I lived and worked with five other crewmates. And I had an expectation of the experience. And it was totally different and just as magical in a totally different way. And so I probably will have uh, expectations shattered and perspective shifted once I'm up there. And that's what I'm more excited about is like, not what I think I want to bring down, but what I have no idea I'll want to bring back to the planet. Um, yeah. Oh,
0: I can picture that album already and just what it would <laughs> sound like. There's there's a few songs out there that you just put on and if you loop them, you get lost in them. Uh, that's and it'd it. be amazing to hear, you know, stuff that's written, recorded, everything while in orbit. Um, do you have any concerns of going to space? You're going to get locked in an automated capsule with no, nothing. What about no. with the three people you're only going to know for a couple months?
1: No, no. Yeah. So, I mean, I just went to a high seas. That's a valid concern. Sure. But I'm a crazy person. I, I, I don't mean that I'm a crazy person, but I am a very brave person. I, I'm not scared of... Um, pretty wild experiences. Like I love caving, climbing, all, all sorts of skydiving. I, I throw myself into those kinds of situations because I really enjoy the adventure of it. Um, but as far as, uh, as being in a capsule, it's, you know, I wish it was longer. It's only four days, you know, and I, I actually really just, I have a deep love. For humans. I love getting to know people. And, um, you know, on this mission at high seas, I didn't know those people until the day I arrived. I had no idea. I was just locking myself in a 1200 square foot, six bedroom, tiny little habitat. And we saw a challenge, man. The the solar panels that power the whole habitat. Um, We had so many dust storms, AKA cloud cover and rain that we didn't have enough solar to power the habitat and it was freezing. We were at 8,500 feet elevation. Um, so although we were in Hawaii, it was very, very cold. Um, and it got challenging. Like we couldn't use any of our electronics. We couldn't heat up our food, which is a bummer when you're trying to rehydrate (laughs) your food with hot water. And then you just got this mushy stuff that just tastes terrible. Um, so it was a challenge, but what I loved about it was that's where I really had to flip my expectation. Like I went there thinking, I'm going to make an album. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do all this stuff. Well, there was no power. So what we ended up doing was just sitting around wrapped in blankets, telling each other stories and playing fun games and doing puzzles and just being together. And I think all of us had been so isolated from the, this pandemic. But the fact that we were able to get COVID tested and like get there and be, be normal with each other and, and feel like a family, it was one of the best things I didn't expect. And so I'm not scared at all. <laughs> I feel like I've kind of done those experiments and I've certainly toured a lot, you know, which is that's where you're on the on the road for four months at a time or whatever and you're in tight quarters with a lot of challenge and a lot of people. And I love that stuff. That's where I, that's where the good stuff is. That's where you really begin to grow, I think.
0: Absolutely. You've, you've had the chance to sit down with some really inspiring astronauts and other people. Are there any astronauts uh, you wish to speak to that are, you know, alive or maybe have passed uh, and why?
1: Yeah, um, Ron McNair was a huge inspiration and I'm so sad that he's not with us um, and that he passed on that last shuttle flight. Um, Ron was an incredible musician and I'm creating a documentary right now about art in space. So all of the art that's ever been done in space and then of course my take on the future of art in space and why it's important. And um, he came up a lot in my research and just a huge inspiration. He played the saxophone. Uh, There's such a fun story in this documentary that I get to tell about how he rented a saxophone from a little shop and they couldn't believe what he was trying to do, take it to space. And it was, it was through that journey where um, he took this, this tenor sax because it was normal saxes are too big. It wouldn't fit in his personal storage. So we had to get a small tenor sax, learn how to play it took it up to space um, and then found out that because there's no gravity or there's in the free fall condition a lack of gravity so the water the spit bubbles that he he was spitting into the saxophone didn't know where to go because they didn't know there was no gravity to say go down and so they would clog they would just grow and clog up the tube and and this was actually my inspiration for thinking about the music gloves because I realized, wow, traditional instruments were made for the physics environment of the Earth. What do you think we could create if we made something specifically for the physics environment of space? Unknown. Who knows what we'll come up with. But anyway, uh, Ron went up there and he played the first saxophone in space. And then um, he I, I really wish that I could have talked to him about that. He seemed like such a fun guy. Um, and then who else? I I really am excited to, I know I'll talk to Chris Hadfield someday soon. Um, Chris is a huge inspiration. He made an album in space, an entire album. You know, you probably know about uh, Space Oddity, right? That he filmed on the Absolutely. space station. So most people don't know that there's an entire beautiful album that goes along with that, that he recorded on the station. It's called Songs from a Tin Can, and it's just beautiful. I highly recommend. Um, I'm excited to talk to him about that someday. Yeah. And of course, you know, the more, honestly, I've been doing so much research on this experience and I'm so inspired by by the humans behind those astronaut faces. I think a lot of people are intimidated by the word astronaut and they must be like, oh, some kind of genius or whatever. And and of course they're very intelligent people, but like Story Musgrave, who um actually was one of the people responsible for fixing that Hubble Space Telescope, his life story is incredible. And I'm he we are good friends and I talk to him all the time. So lucky he was the first astronaut I met when I was still a programmer. And he was—he actually encouraged me to pursue this career in the space industry. That guy, yeah, he has seven degrees and he speaks seven languages. And it all sounds crazy on paper. But he grew up on a 40-acre farm and he didn't finish high school. Huh? We have a lot in common. And so it's cool to meet people who were met with adversity, Challenge and somehow the the hope was strong, the willpower was strong, and they powered through that and eventually went to space, fulfilled their dreams, whatever. And so, I would like to talk to every uh, every astronaut to learn their stories because it's always richer than what you think.
0: Absolutely, it's uh, it's amazing seeing their journeys, and I think that's one thing I found even just doing this channel. Is like, you know, talking with Jared and yourself and some of these other people that you're like, you look at their, you know, quote unquote resumes or what they've done. And you're like, oh, boy, uh, I'm in my basement. I'm talking to this. And then you sit down and they're the coolest people ever. And they're the most normal people ever. And I think, you know, that's one thing we want to share with the launch you know on the launch pad is just connecting with real people, sharing real stories. And it's, you know, hopefully getting some more of those astronauts in there. So maybe we'll share Mm -hmm. contacts at some point. Try to get some Canadian ones for you yeah um, there you and, go uh, just share those stories because as you said they're so inspiring of what people have gone through and uh, it seems like there's a trend with at least three that I know of that they all dropped out of high school and are now doing well so who knows
1: there you go stay yeah. in
0: school but you stay know, in school it's not oh the my worst gosh thing if it happens
1: yeah um, well <laughs> yeah here's the thing whatever you can control <laughs> like, set yourself up for the best odds. I did not do that. I made terrible decisions and it took way longer to climb my way out of all those terrible decisions. But yeah, um, there will be things that you cannot control. So just take advantage of the things that you can. (laughs) PSA.
0: Yeah. As we we wrap up, you know, take a couple of minutes. What would you want to say directly to the Inspiration4 committee on why Mm -hmm. you should be for the prosperity seat or I'm assuming you're going for the generosity seat as well? Yeah. Um, Why you?
1: Yeah. I wish I could do more for the generosity seat and I, I hope to someday um, be able to do something far more than what I could do this time. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm so in awe of this opportunity. I'm so in awe of this new space era. I've known for a long time that this was coming. For three years, I've been following this whole thing. Um You know, I've been telling people soon this is going to be like the commercial airline industry, and this is only the beginning. We're going to see an exponential growth. Civilians will be going to space. I'm watching Starship get built. Hundreds of us are going to board that thing. And people don't really believe me. But here I'm finding myself in this moment of disbelief because I've known that this was coming, but I had no idea that the people that bought the first flights, Yusaku Misawa and now Jared Isaacman, would gift the other seats to people like us. That is so powerful. And it sets such a high standard for the future of space tourism. So more than anything, I just want to say thank you for all that you're doing. No matter who gets picked, it's I've seen the contestants. It's incredible. It's a win-win situation because a powerful message is being sent to the world. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I I just, the case I would make is I want to share this. I want to share this experience with the entire world. Um, that's always been my goal in all of my work. And all of my art and all of my music, all I want to do is share the experience. And I think that while we've while we've seen, um, you know, you you can follow along with what's going on in space. I feel like that that human story has not really been told. And that would be my number one mission. Is to really tell the story in new ways and to share that experience as best I can with my art and with the beautiful humans that I would be with telling their story. So, and thank you. I mean, just thank you to you for allowing me to, to make my case. And gosh, just thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. This is so incredible. I'm in awe.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing time to be alive, as you said, seeing, you know, you saw it coming, but actually that it's happening and that, you know, in any little way that we get to be part of it and that our names written in that history book of even just talking about the first civilian mission and that you're in the running for it is um, kind of a crazy thing to think of, I think, if we think back 10 years, I don't think we thought we'd be, we knew it was coming, but the fact that we're part of it is such an amazing thing.
1: We were in, And we were invited. We were invited yeah. to be a part of it. And 10, 20, 100, maybe a 1, thousand years from now, people will look back on this moment and they'll see your interview with Jared and they will know these are the passionate people that made sure the world was aware. And I, I just it gives me chills. It's it's incredible to think about this time that we're living in. I hope that all of us just pause and contemplate that for a second. Thanks yeah, for
0: all you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I've got the goosebumps too when you say that. It's mm-hmm. uh, That interview was not something I ever would have dreamt of. And it's amazing the power of a tweet. And I, I think it kind of relates to what you were saying of, you know, find your passions and take that risk of trying it is send a tweet. You never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Send an email. Um, you know, that, that interview came about and they're like, do you want to do it in an hour? And I'm like, um, wow. No, yeah. the studio's not set up. Let's do it tomorrow. Okay. we'll go from there and now it started this whole thing that's looking at you know maybe expanding more and we're building connections like this that hopefully we can work together in the future on stuff when can actually be on the ground or up here in canada and stuff so um, Uh, ah,
1: so excited for you
0: thank you so much for your time how can people connect with you on this submission and this journey and how can they connect with cosmic perspective as well
1: thank you for asking you can go to cosmicperspective.com that's the easiest way to just connect with me, uh, us, and what we're doing and follow this exciting new space era. We'll be uh, live streaming with Tim Dodd, the Everyday Astronaut, probably tomorrow for that next uh, Starship launch and forever more. So um, connect with us there. And then if you'd like to boost my entry, will this be going out before?
0: It should be going out probably tonight, first wow. thing in the morning. I'm not, somewhere in there.
1: Yeah. So, um, if, if this goes out before midnight tonight and no pressure, don't worry, um, go to twitter.com slash consider cosmos, (laughs) consider cosmos cosmic perspective was taken. So if you go there, you'll see, uh, my entry is pinned to the very top and yeah, I'd love, I'd love everybody's support, but at the same time, like just kinda, I mean, all All of these contestants are so incredible. Uh, my favorite part of this whole thing, um, you know, even though it's it's challenging to to compete, it's challenging to create that video and try to put yourself out there. It's very vulnerable. But what's so cool is that all of these amazing people have come together around this passion that would never have been connected otherwise. So if you just search Twitter for inspiration for a contest, you'll see a load of incredible people. And and I I encourage you to connect with all of them because they're all doing amazing things.
0: Yeah, I was in an interview earlier this morning with Ruben and Phil, and it's just amazing. Even just the community of how supportive each other have been, retweeting each other's submissions and yeah. just getting those eyes on because there are some of those videos that, you know, they have 50 followers when they released it and it's slowly growing, but some of the ideas are just so incredible and it's such a tight-knit community. You go live with Everyday Astronaut. Are you at or will you be moving into the Mars studio?
1: Oh, well, we've been helping a little bit with the Mars studio. Um, we're not the painters. Beth <laughs> Sheen and Rachel from Espadre. Padre. Um, these are our best friends. And it's so cool to be living here you know, not far away and, and building a community here. It's so cool. I've never, I've never had an experience like this where you kind of move somewhere and and build something from the ground up. So I will be inside studio, be the Mars studio a lot. Um, But I'm actually the person that will be down on the beach, always getting that VR view. And then with a camera where I'll be interviewing people. So we're gonna we're gonna do a little experimentation in the near future. See if we can safely interview folks, kind of you know, masked up, and see what we can do to better share the stories. Because it's just so exciting to talk to to the folks here that are so excited. So yeah, keep an eye out for that. And, and then you know, if you are familiar with the Everyday Astronaut streams, those telescope views, that's that's us. That's Ryan, my partner. So he runs the telescope in the studio. So he'll be he'll be at the Mars studio outside.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing seeing, you know, him expand down there and really start building up that community of, of having a place to work as well. Cause working from hotels work for a while, but you know, being able to start building that foundation of people being able to have kind of a, a quote unquote home base uh, is huge. And it's neat seeing how connected it is too with you guys and Espadre and him. And, you know, hopefully we can connect with them in the future as well, whether it's down there or over Zoom. Uh, and we'll go from there. But thank you so much for being here, Mary Liz. It was a privilege uh, connecting with you. Hopefully we can work together in the future. Uh, and yeah. I wish you all the best with your submission.
1: Thank you so much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Appreciate you. My name is Mary Liz Bender, co-founder of Cosmic Perspective. This is one of my favorite places on the planet. Standing next to Starship, talking to the people and the families here, I'm reminded of a quote from Apollo astronaut Frank Foreman. Upon returning from space, he was asked to describe his experience, and all he could say was, we should have sent poets. Artists, musicians, storytellers, they inspire us. They help us dream of a bright, exciting future, and then we come together to begin building it today. And as an artist, I'm inspired to keep that cycle going. But almost all artists in history could only imagine what it would be like to actually be in space. I've had the incredible opportunity to talk to astronauts about these moments, how we're all crew on spaceship Earth that becomes real to them. This is a transformation called the overview effect. Today, the first all-civilian mission is assembling its crew. And for the first time, people of all backgrounds can embark on this adventure. As a touring musician, I witness how art can unite us. Seeing a crowd of people experience awe together is unforgettable but it's hard to take a drum kit to space. These are Mimu Music Gloves. Using motion and gestures, I can conjure up any instrument imaginable. I've always dreamt of taking an entire orchestra to space, and now I might actually have the chance. Making this kind of inspiration accessible to all is a big part of our mission and business. At Cosmic Perspective, we use music, films, virtual reality, interactive art, and live shows to amplify the beauty of this adventure. Also, an amazing opportunity to share the human experience, personally, what it's like to train, launch, fly, and return to Earth. As someone who didn't finish high school, I never thought I'd have a chance to fly to space, not in a million years. I was such a lost kid. I even battled homelessness but somehow art found its way into my life and it inspired dreams of a better future. And now I want to pay it forward because of this new space era and inspiration for I just might have the chance. And to support St. Jude, who saved one of my family members, I am so honored to share and support their mission.